0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 19, How to Help Our Kids Rewire Difficult Behaviors. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I want to start out this week's episode by asking you to picture one of your children. Perhaps the one that, if you're being honest with yourself, is driving you a little batty at the moment. You adore this child. You know that. But maybe there is a certain behavior that he or she just can't seem to stop right now, such as whining or disobedience or defiance or conflicts with siblings or with other children. I'm actually going to give you a second here to imagine that child, preferably engaging in one of his or her strengths, something that you truly love and admire about him or her. Close your eyes and picture it. Can you see it? Can you feel the love that you have for this child? A place of love is where we want you to be coming from as you listen to this episode about helping our children rewire difficult behaviors. Because love and patience, and also some great tools, are what you're going to need in order to help them. And I am so thrilled to have a guest on the podcast today who who has those tools for us. Chrissy Austin is a speech-language pathologist who has 17 years of experience working with complex children and with children with disabilities. She specializes in sensory processing, autism, social skills, and augmentative communication. But really, the skills that she teaches can be useful for all children. She runs social skills groups for kids ages three up through young adulthood to teach them self-regulation, listening, and making meaningful friendship connections. She says that in a nutshell, her job is rewiring behaviors to teach kids new ways of doing things, to be successful at home, school, and with peers. So with that in mind, again, picture that same child who may be struggling a bit right now, and get specific about what behavior you would like to help him or her rewire. Keep that behavior in mind as you listen for the next 30 minutes, because I think you are going to walk away with some really concrete ideas for what you can do, maybe even today, to start making a change within your home and with that child. And isn't that a pretty awesome thought, that in 30 minutes, 30 minutes from now, you're going to have new tools and solutions to try out with your child. So let's get to it and welcome our behavioral expert to today's podcast. We're so lucky to have her, Chrissy Austin. We're so excited to have you on 3 and 30.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad to do this today.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, And I just want to start off by asking you, you said that your job is really to rewire behaviors. What what does that mean?
1: So, so often kids and even us adults, we get really stuck in loops and it's just, we do the same thing over and over again. And our kids can get really stuck sometimes even in negative loops, things that they do that kind of drive us crazy. And so part of my job and part of parents can do this at home is we want to change those behaviors. And so We have to identify what those stuck patterns or those loops are, and then we can work on it. And there are some tools and strategies that are pretty effective to get our kids out of those negative loops and to start creating some new positive loops in the brain. And yeah, they can be quite successful.
0: Okay, great. So Chrissy's going to walk us through a a three-step process, which is similar to what she would do with the children that she works with and that we can do with our children and our homes. So Chrissy, what's your first takeaway or your first step for if we want to help our kids overcome this loop of a, of a hard, difficult behavior?
1: So I think the first place to start is we want to identify the behavior. So we go about our day-to-day routines with our kids. And this is where we kind of as parents have to stop and pause and say, what is it that's really driving me nuts? And so because we have to make it really concrete and clear to our kids about what it is that they are going to be working on. So stopping in those hard moments and just thinking, what is it that's really making this difficult or hard. And sometimes in working with parents, they don't realize we can get really stuck on the behavior, but really kind of figuring out what is the skill that my kid needs or is lacking that I can teach them that is going to help them. And so that first piece is a really important one, but it takes us, we have to just pause for a moment, stop and think, what is the loop that they are in? And sometimes it can be They're really impulsive. Sometimes I'll have parents come in and say, they're constantly interrupting me. Or every interaction with their sibling is very negative. Um, You had mentioned even whining. My daughter whines a lot. So it can be anything from a small nagging behavior to sometimes dealing with aggression with siblings, which is kind of a more serious behavior. Um, There's no limit on what the behavior can be. We can really target and work on anything.
0: And you've sort of told me in our conversations leading up to this, that a lot of times parents don't really know what the behavior is. Is that right? Like they're just like, she's just hard. Like it's just hard right now and they can't identify the specific behavior.
1: Yeah. And so again, that's where sometimes we can get stuck on the behavior versus we've got to think we got to kind of change our thinking to think about what is the skill that I need to teach them. So, so often I would say 80% of the kids that I work with, so often, the skill is even sometimes waiting. Because when a child doesn't have the skill of waiting, that affects their impulse control. So we're talking about kids who are really quick to do things or quick responses or quick to grab or quick to hit. Um, It also, waiting... Requires a degree of self regulation. And so sometimes that can be a really powerful skill to teach kids. And so if waiting is going to help make your life easier, if you're on the phone or talking to a parent and your child's climbing all over you or is wanting your attention, um, or even with siblings, waiting to take turns. So waiting can be a really powerful tool. Parents sometimes are like, oh, I have, oh, I have to teach my kid to wait. Yep, we're gonna we are gonna work on waiting and listening is also another common one that I often hear parents. Well, they just don't respond. I'll say, "Hey, it's time for dinner," and they just continue to play with their Legos. And so, listening is another skill. And then kids go to school and teachers say, "Time to listen." Well, for many kids, that's very abstract. What does listening mean? Which- so,
0: how do we go about breaking down? the skill and teaching them how to wait or how to listen. Um, Is that your second takeaway or your second step?
1: Yeah. So the second step is the most crucial step and it's sitting down with your child. And I always make things visual because when you put it on a piece of paper, it's real and it exists. And we have to remember that kids are not Great at remembering things. That's an adult skill, not a kid skill. So when we make it visual on a piece of paper, then it's real and it exists. And we can reference it and they see it. And it's a reminder for them. And it's a reminder for us and really anyone else in the family that's working with or spends time with this kid of hey, this is something that we're working on. Can you also reinforce it and work on it with us? Mm-hmm. So You're going to sit down with your child and sometimes in my family, we say that we're having a family meeting and the first time that this happened in my house, it was not super fun because (laughs) kids don't necessarily like to be called out on, on what something that's not a strength. And of course, as parents, we are going to approach things in a very friendly way of, hey, I've noticed, and we always are without judgment when we talk about these things with our, ch- with our children. And you're going to kind of describe a little bit about what happens. Give kids clear examples because, again, they don't see it in themselves. Kids don't have the awareness that grownups have. And a big part of this step number two is building their awareness. Like We can overcome many behaviors simply by building their awareness and making them aware that they even do it. Sometimes that can be as far as we need to go. We have this sit down with them. We get out a piece of paper. We get out some markers. If they can draw a picture of what it looks like to doing the goal, or if there's any piece that they want to write on it, add to it, um, you're going to go, yeah, great. Draw whatever you want on there Um, because you really want them involved in this step. And so you're going to write at the top, my goal and just pick one thing for them to work on. And we always write it in that kind of language. My goal, as if they're reading this piece of paper, is, and then... If it's listening, then you're just going to. I always write a big ear because many of my kids can't read yet. So I just write, use a lot of pictures, and I'm a terrible drawer, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be fancy. And I always say, listening the first time. And what does that mean? And you're just going to talk about it. So when I say time to put on your shoes, you're going to listen and put on your shoes. And if it's time to brush your teeth, you're going to listen and brush your teeth. And of course, it's like, okay this is not really like, how is this just instantly going to work? But again, by sitting it, sitting down with your child and making this kind of a big deal, like we're sitting down and this is going to be your goal. That is going to build that awareness. And they, they're going to see, wow, this is really important to mom and dad. Now we're going to use this language a lot. When they are listening, you're going to say things like, thanks for listening. Great listening. Research shows positive reinforcement changes neurological loops in the brain at a neurological level. So this is a really key thing for parents to remember. Negative Reinforcement also changes neurological loops in the brain and it reinforces them to stay positive ones. When you've set a goal, actually neurologically changes loops in the brain. So you want to be the crazy person constantly being like, whoa, cheerleader all the way. Nice listening. Great listening any opportunity that you can catch that child doing what that goal, you are going to cheerlead like crazy. Mm -hmm. And with our kids, with our goals in this step as well, if there's any opportunity for you to pair that goal with a sign cue and why a sign cue, because in the moment when our kids are having that behavior, they are not processing language. So we don't want to be using a lot of language when our kids are having behaviors. So if it's wait, there's a sign cue for wait and it's just palm up and you're wiggling your fingers. And so when they are in that moment of climbing all over you, you're just going to show them your fingers. Wait, listen is an L at your ear, you're listening. So in that moment, when they're not listening, you're not going to use a lot of language. You're going to just show them that sign cue.
0: I love that about the sign cue. And I, I actually tried this with my daughter. So my three-year-old daughter has, um, she loves to whine. (laughs) I don't know if she loves to whine, but she, she (laughs) defaults to whining. Um, She's in a loop. (laughs) Yes, she's in a loop. That's probably a better way to phrase it. More so than my son ever was. And I, I, have you found that, that some kids have struggled? Like I know all kids whine, but it seems like she does it more so like she falls into that loop more easily. Is that, yeah. can that be true?
1: Absolutely. And we kind of measure that. I always ask parents, intensity and frequency. Mm-hmm. If the intensity is high and the frequency is high, then we know we have something we need to work on.
0: Oh, that's good. And so I've tried any number of things and people say, you know, to tell her, I can't understand you when you talk like that or use a strong voice instead of a, or use a big girl voice. Like I've tried all that, but you're right. I've noticed that it's like she can't even hear me. She's not hearing words anymore. And so I we did try a sign recently where I would point to my ears and then like um, shrug my shoulders, kind of like put my hands up like I can't understand. I don't know, you know, and um, and it did seem to help like she she would see the sign. I wouldn't have to say a word. And then she would try to rephrase it in a less whiny tone of voice um but i think my problem is consistency with that so maybe it's this third takeaway that we're going to go to with the reinforcement or the consistency because i do think that it was helping but then i'm like i get busy life gets crazy and i forget and then i start giving in to the whining again and you know, it all is lost and we need to start. <laughs> we need to start back over at the beginning of this process. Probably. Is that what you would do? Just go back to the beginning with a kid?
1: Yeah. So did you ever have that moment of sit down with her of really setting it as a goal?
0: Yeah. You know, we had a family meeting together with everyone. Um, so I have a son and a daughter and, and then my husband and and I sat down and we talked about, Using nice voices and what whining is. And then we actually kind of role played it. So I had my son ask me for something in a whiny voice, and I did the sign. And then I had him ask me again in a nice voice, and I said, "Oh, I'd be happy to help you with that." And they got a big kick out of that, like doing the role playing. Um, oh, that's awesome! And then we did it. So my husband and I whined, which they thought was hilarious. And then they did the sign to us, and we, um, and then we asked nice. And so we had, so we did. I feel like we did the first two steps, but then like I said, I wasn't super consistent on using it or I didn't enforce reinforce it correctly. And so I saw things starting to improve. And then I think I just kind of let it go. And now we're back to the beginning with the whining. We're back into bad whining territory.
1: Yeah. So, okay. That's great that you noticed some positive changes. Mm-hmm. And so, Again, that kind of is that reminder of when I, as a parent, am focused on working on it, I'm seeing some positive changes in my child. But when we get super busy and life gets in the way, then it kind of all goes back. And so that's where real... We always have to... I always tell my parents, there's always real life. We are never going to be hard on ourselves as parents because that's a hard enough job as it is. Mm -hmm. So we just as it's a, but you kind of nailed it when I was focused on it as the parent, because that really to change behaviors, it's, it's us, the parent that has to help our child. They're just kids and they need our help. So it really comes down to how much are we going to invest in working on this skill? Because it takes that consistency for sure. Mm -hmm. So, um,
0: and with whining, would you say, that the that the problem is the whining, or is the problem waiting? Like that she doesn't know how to wait, so she resorts yeah, to whining. I
1: wonder don't that makes you wonder for sure? And so maybe another skill would be the waiting. But when I with that whining skill, I would because again I always have to tell parents this in my office that even giving your child visual looking at your child. When they're doing the behavior that you don't want, you are actually reinforcing it. So I will often just grab a book really fast to and hand it to my parents when I see a kid in a loop that we don't that we're trying trying to extinguish of just don't even make eye contact. So if she's whining to you and you've already set the rule and given her the cue, then I would physically turn my back and then assume and just and I might just say oh, when you're working on your goal, I will turn on and listen, but I'm making toast right now or whatever it is. And then, and then you're just going to wait. And so much of having ch- our children be successful requires a ton of patience on our part <laughs> of us waiting. And, and instead, our oh, own self-control. Yes. And our, absolutely. Of just, okay, I'll, I'm I'm going to wait till I hear your big girl voice. I'll be here for you. But and then you're just, and then you're going to stop talking and see if she can change. And we always want to catch our kids being successful. Baby steps are success. So even if half of it's whiny and then she fixes it the last half, that is still success. We always want to be catching those positive moments of, oh, hey, at least you tried this time. I know it's hard. You're working on this goal. I mean, she's only three. That's a lot of language for a three-year-old. But Mm -hmm. we are always empathizing with our kids, too, when they're working on
0: something. And then how do I positively reinforce her behavior as she's changing? Like, do I need to make her a sticker chart of some sort? Or, I mean, how is that your third takeaway, how we reinforce?
1: So, yeah, number three kind of goes into... Uh, to, to reinforce or not to reinforce. And that, this is kind of a hot subject. And this is kind of the first place to start. I always tell parents, look for natural carrots. A lot of times... Um, These kids are working on executive skills, so morning routines, trying to gain independence with morning routines, finishing their breakfast um, without all the constant nagging that we do as parents. And so we always are looking for natural carrots. So... In my house, breakfast is a very drawn out long task, but there is a reinforcer of I really want to read the comics in the morning because we are newspaper readers. And so she really wants to read the comics. After you finish your breakfast, if there's enough time, then you can read the comics and that it just naturally speeds up that breakfast time because there's a motivator there. And so that's a natural carrot. So we want to Look for those first. If there's any sort of game time, screen time, and a child's working on a goal, there's your carrot. They shouldn't be having screen time unless they have showed some way that they are demonstrating their new skill that they're working on. Um, If we are working on a skill and we're noticing like, well, yeah, the kid really doesn't care if they're working on it or not. And this is kind of my disclaimer one in eight kids right now has some degree of sensory processing something or other going on and so that might mean they might have some um rigid behavior they might have some a uh, uh, focus and attention is challenging there might be some challenges in auditory processing but not enough to quite have a diagnosis in any area of Asperger's or but there might be some Aspergery kind of traits. And so one thing we know in these kids, one in 8. That's a crazy statistic, I know, but we know that dopamine levels in the brain are lower in these kids. Those natural feel good endorphins are at way lower. And so they are not natural people pleasers. And so that's one thing to be cautious of. There's lots of research out there showing this because some parents will just say they really don't care. (laughs) And so we go, okay, this is where we're going to use those carrots to our advantage. One of the most powerful things we can do as parents is when we are deciding Or determining if they've earned whatever that is, is we sit down with them when we go through it and we have them self reflect because, again, we're building self awareness in the child. It's not so powerful for us to judge them and say, Well, I think you did pretty good with being nice to your brother, or I think you had a good attitude today. We want the child to tell us, How do you think you did with that? And kind of no matter what they say is going to be a positive thing cuz our ultimate goal is building that self awareness in the child. So, we set what it is that we want them to see and then we can tie that to some sort of reinforcer. If they're little kids, a treasure box is a really simple thing. I tell parents, don't fill it up with a ton of things. Go to the dollar store wherever and get a bunch of things, but change that treasure box out a lot so that it stays novel for them. Only put a few things in and just kinda rotate some things in and out of there so it's always novel. If they're a little bit older, really involve them in what they think they wanna earn. Are they gonna earn extra TV time? Are they gonna earn I get to pick a dinner or I get to pick out my favorite dessert? Um, I get to stay up 15 minutes later than my brother or sister. Whatever it is, you really want them to be involved because if it's reinforcing to the child, it will change that loop. But so often as parents, we think we we know what the child wants to earn, and then it's not a match of what the child wants to earn. Um, And of course, sometimes we get those crazy answers of like, well, I want a PlayStation. And of course, then we reel back in of like, hmm, let's think about this, but Again, we can make it functional and we can make it things that we're already doing in our homes, like a special dessert or picking out your favorite dinner or having getting to stay up later than a sibling is actually highly motivating <laughs> to kids.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. And I feel like where you mentioned that there's a little bit of controversy with reinforcers and I, I think what you're probably alluding to is um, some people are like anti-praise uh, or that you shouldn't overpraise the kids is what some people are saying. But one thing that struck me when you talked about how one in eight children now are not typical and that, um, that they don't have the natural, more innate people, pleasing, uh, tendencies. It's like, those are, those kids really do need an external motivator, um, beyond just, you know, cause all of those other philosophies will say you want them to just do it intrinsically. You don't want to teach them that they need an external reward, but that's not going to work for every kid. Is that, no. is that your experience?
1: Absolutely true. And it's, it's just, it just is where we at, right? Well, that's where we are right now with our kids and we could do a whole nother podcast of right. what could potentially going on, but yeah. And I think as parents, it can get be really frustrating when you have that kid and when parents come to me and say, Chrissy, they, they do not care. There's nothing that motivates them. And I always say, there is. We just have to find it. There always is, and we have to set up a system. Now, some kids are absolutely not going to need a system. You do step two, you build that awareness, you're going to praise like crazy when they're doing it, and that will change the behavior. But some of these kids will need a system. And this is a really important thing. When you're using a system, we never, ever take away something they've earned. It would be like going to a job and then doing something wrong and our boss taking away part of our pay. We wouldn't we wouldn't go to that job anymore because it wouldn't be a reliable system. They need to know that once they've earned it, they've earned it. We never threaten it. We never say like, well, if you do that again, well, I'm going to take away your sticker or you're not going to earn your treasure box. We're going to only focus on the positive when we're using a system. Mm-hmm. And so- once they've earned that thing, then they have earned it. And that can be really hard as parents because we're so frustrated that we just, and then it's, well, now you're telling me they get what they, what they've worked for, even though they just hit their sister. And it's like, no kid's going to be perfect ever. And of course they're going to still do that behavior that we don't want, but we're going to focus on all those times that they wanted to hit their sister, but they stopped because we've been teaching them, another way.
0: Mm, And so
1: we just have to be really cautious using systems to keep really focused on the positive and we never take something away once they've earned it.
0: Mm -hmm. So I feel like in your practice, you probably see a lot of um, discouraged parents and uh, parents who feel like things aren't ever going to get better. And I know that there's some people listening, some moms listening right now that probably feel that way. Um, What words of encouragement do you have for them?
1: To breathe first Mm -hmm. and know that they can do this. So start small and keep it simple and just go back to that step one. What is it? I know I can do this. Just Focus on that one nagging thing and only focus on that thing because it can get so overwhelming when we go, oh my gosh, there's a thousand things I can work on. True, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but let's pick one and let's just start there and see if we can make some progress because when our kids are in a loop, we're also in a loop. And so it really takes us as parents to stop and pull ourselves out of the loop first and go, okay. I can do this. I'm going to work on this one thing. I'm going to make it a goal. I'm going to reinforce it either just with my praise or with a system. You can do it, is what I would want to tell them.
0: Mm -hmm. And so, can you just remind us what the three steps are before we end?
1: Yeah. So, number one is identify the behavior and think about what is the skill that they need to learn to help extinguish that behavior. Mm-hmm. Number two is to break the skill down, make it visual, and make it a goal so that the child knows exactly what they're working on. This is your goal. Remember, you're working on this. And number three is are we going to bring in a reinforcement system to see that change, or do we not need a reinforcement system to see that change? And with the system, we always are eventually going to fade it out because. The loop is going to change. The loop will absolutely will change when we apply these strategies. And so you're not going to need the system.
0: And then do you start working on something else with them
1: (laughs) Yeah, and do the same process again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, the brain is not an isolated, it doesn't work in isolation ever. So what often happens is when we work on a skill, sometimes again, waiting can be so powerful because it can change multiple behaviors is you work on one skill and you'll notice other skills start to just change naturally because the brain works in unison. And so when we start changing loops in the brain, we're we're changing them at a neurological level. And so it can start to have really positive impacts on other areas. Mm, So it's kind of a fun thing to watch.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, Chrissy. I'm sure there's so many moms listening that are like, I want to work with her. (laughs) And unfortunately, (laughs) they can't all work with you. Your practice is in Oregon. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Southern Oregon. Yeah. So
0: if moms aren't in your area, where, where could they look? Like, is there, should they Google a certain type of therapy and see if it's available in their area for their kids or is there a book that you would recommend if they want for their assistance
1: so social thinking is michelle garcia winner um She has a lot of different conferences around, and she has some clinics. So a lot of what we're talking about is related to social thinking or social cognition. So you could Google that in your area because I know there are some clinics that have that. Um, Two of my favorite books, one of them is Kids Beyond Limits. And if you ever into kind of if you have a one in eight at home or a kid with ADHD or Asperger kind of things, finally focus is a great book of having us consider if there's any imbalances in the gut in the brain because um, sometimes, oftentimes, that can be feeding into these behaviors. It doesn't mean that we can't change them without changing those other things. But Finally Focused is a great book for um, really asking some good questions and getting us to think about, is there any sort of things I can do in addition to what we just described?
0: Okay, great. And I will um, find those resources online and then I'll link them in the show notes if people are interested in looking at those. So Chrissy, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your expertise with us. I know it's going to bless a lot of families and hopefully there's some moms listening who are feeling empowered and a little bit less discouraged right now that they can help their kids. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And yes, you can do it. Thank you so much. Chrissy was
0: such an awesome guest, especially if you know a little bit of what was going on behind the scenes in that interview. Oh, my daughter, Sally, who's three, ended up staying home from preschool with a cough that day that I was recording with Chrissy. And I know she's a really busy lady with a thriving private practice. So I decided to just go forward with the interview instead of rescheduling it. So I turned on Tangled for Sally, and she's usually glued to the TV when I let her watch it. But of course, not on that day. So she interrupted my interview with Chrissy twice, um, loudly with whining, and I actually had to stop the interview and go and help her and take care of her and then come back to the interview. And Chrissy was so patient and understanding. I was grateful that I was interviewing a behavioral child specialist who gets it. Um, And somehow Chrissy managed to maintain her train of thought as we'd pause and then start back into the interview. And somehow I was able to edit out those interruptions by Sally to give you, hopefully, that cohesive interview that you just heard. So that's just a little real life behind the scenes of what it's like to host a podcast as a regular mom with kids and life happening all the time, all around me. It can be challenging and overwhelming, but it's also really fulfilling for me, and I hope that it's helpful for you. So leave me some feedback. Tell me what you're learning. Um, Also, Chrissy told me that she welcomes questions on this episode and feedback, and you can always leave your comments on any episode. At 3in30podcast at gmail.com. That's 3in30podcast at gmail.com. Or by commenting on my Instagram account where I'm very active at 3in30podcast. So, are you ready to go and tackle this three step process with your children? Make today the day that you have your sit down meeting with the child that you imagined from the beginning of the episode specify a goal and make it visual with a drawing and possibly a hand signal and then see how they do with that and decide if you need to also add some sort of an external motivator or reinforcer. And as Chrissy said, you might have to, you might not have to. Moms, thank you for all the good work that you are doing in your homes and in the communities all around you. I really hope to hear from you And I hope that you have a great week with your family.